It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. Oh, we'll rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of freedom. We will rally from the hillside, we'll gather from the plain, shouting the battle cry of freedom. Welcome to this hour of Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews 98.5. Our weekly Saturday interviews open a window into local San Luis Obispo County public policy, policymakers, and the law affecting you. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. I've practiced law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978, handling court cases for the Democratic Party and Republican officeholders. It has been my privilege to serve as Superior Court Special Master and as an elected Port San Luis Harbor Commissioner. I help folks with estate planning, real estate law, and government law. This show brings you the officials, lawyers, and candidates who are or who want to shape law and local government. In this hour of Slow County Public Policy and the Law, we are privileged to have a conversation with one of two candidates for Paso Robles School Trustee, Ms. Angela Hollander. But first, let's focus on the importance of citizens stepping forward to seek public service. School boards serve our children and grandchildren, usually without a dime of payment. These are selfless, often thankless offices that take time, attention, and courage to work at. So, thank you, Ms. Angela Hollander, for being here to tell our listeners about your background, qualifications, and vision for Paso Robles schools and students. Welcome. Well, thank you, um, Stu. I really appreciate the invitation to come and speak here on your show today. I am looking forward to getting the word out about my campaign, and you're helping me do that. Well, it, it's a privilege. and uh, We, of course, have had your opponent on. Uh, there's only two people in this race. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the district uh, for our listeners. You know, not everybody is in the Paso Robles Unified School District. Um, what's the geography? Uh, who's in this district? Well, we have a very diverse community. We have two middle schools, three high schools. We have an Independence High School, Liberty is our continuation high school, and then a comprehensive high school, and six elementary schools. And our community is predominantly, um, uh, we have a large population of Latino, Hispanic students, white, a very, very small number of African-American students. Um, boys and girls are about equal. Okay. Um, we do have, uh, sadly, a large population of, um, we have uh, 63 foster children in our district, mm -hmm. over 400 um, homeless children. Um, we have a, a diversity. We have kids that are into agriculture. Um, big program of Future Farmers of America. Um, we have 4-H um, in our community, Mid-State Fair is really big, athletes are big, visual and performing arts, and we have a magnet dual immersion program. Mm -hmm. um, and about 17% of our children enrolled in Paso schools um, have special needs. When you say magnet dual immersion program, what is that? Uh, so. Um, back in the early 2000s, um, Georgia Brown Elementary School, um, they decided um, with a large population in the north end of our town, mostly Spanish-speaking, that it would be really good to have a dual immersion program. So 50% of the children, mono monolingual 
English speaking, and the other 50% might be monolingual Spanish speaking. And so are the classes taught in both languages? Yes. It starts in kindergarten, about 90% in Spanish in kindergarten, and they gradually build up to 50-50. It's a very successful program. We have about 625 students in the program now. And uh, you can apply from outside of the district uh, to attend the school, mm -hmm. um, but the majority of the children, the priority has always been for the children that live in that area of town. Now, the, uh, the area that the district covers, can you tell our listeners about that? It's huge. We go all the way up to San Miguel, out to Carissa. Um, out to Creston, it's it's a pretty large geographic area. Okay, out so to Heritage Ranch. If yeah. you're if you're raising children in Adelaide, uh, yeah, you're in the district. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I even saw on the map there's a town called Burn, <laughs> uh, which I think is cool. I know Bradley was a cutoff because we had a teacher, and that's uh -huh. where they lived. So some of the voters are actually up in Monterey County. I, I, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm thinking they might be close because I do know that we had this one student and it may have been that they were interdistrict. Okay, okay. Because we have a large high school and some of the schools are pretty small. Now, Angela, how long have you lived in the district? I have lived in Paso Robles since 2001, so it's going on 21, 22 years in January. All right. And July, sorry, July. And are you married? I have been married for 30 years to my husband. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we have two grown children. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one still lives in California. The other one lives up in Washington State. My son attended Virginia Peterson, Pat Buller Elementary, Daniel Lewis Middle School, and we brought our daughter here in the middle of high school. Uh, but she did graduate from Paso High School, and she's a proud Bearcat. Okay, okay. I, I, uh, I'm not supposed to ask you any tr qu trick questions <laughs> here. My, my wife said I shouldn't. Uh, I saw a spread in the Paso Robles Daily News this morning about the Athlete of the Week at the Paso High. Uh, and it's it's great picture. This is a picture for radio it's folks. It's a girl, right? It's a young lady mm -hmm. named Shelby Griffith. Yep. And she is a star pitching softball, yep. it looks like. We have some really good athletes. Um, our Our cross-country team for years was like state champs. I mean, right up there in the CIF. All right. um, football had a little bit of a huff, tough year, but you know. So we have every sport. We have all the sports. We have a golf team. We have tennis, track and field. Um, I recommend fencing. No. Um, <laughs> we don't have fencing. <laughs> we don't have lacrosse either, but it, that's an East Coast sport. Both, both very safe sports, actually. Um, have you been involved before with the Paso Robles uh, schools? I've been involved for years. Um, I'm one of those people when I move, we had to move a few times because of my husband's job. And so. And what was that? Um, well, the project he came here for, he was recruited to come here. We were both in healthcare. And so, Twin Cities Community Hospital, um, Tenant was getting the money to build the new hospital, and that was his project. He oversaw the entire project. Wow. Yep. Wow. Well, now. Um, um, but Tell you want to know about how I was involved in the I schools? I want to know about how you were involved okay. in the schools. So um, when John started school, I got um, myself onto PTA, site council, and I was on, uh, actually, I was on PTA and site council at both the high school and the elementary school at the same time because I knew 
I needed to pay attention to my daughter because I, I think parents should be parents and not their f- children's friends. So sometimes they don't like the parents to be involved, but I'm just one of those moms. I wanted to know about the curriculum and instruction being offered okay. to the students. At that time, we had um, Dr. S- um, Patrick Sane was the superintendent, and he had a monthly meeting with every school site at the table so that the representative from the site council and PTA were there so we could all hear what was happening at the other schools, which is really wonderful. Has that changed? I don't think it exists right now. It's something I'd like to see us bring back. I know that at the high school they have what's called a superintendent's council where the superintendent meets with the students to hear from them directly from them, which is good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's always nice for the parents to all be talking because especially because we're all in different worlds. I was that unique individual that had to have a baby very late in life, and so I had these two different worlds I was I, dealing with. I, I've, had, I've had that experience. So. <laughs> our our uh, eldest is uh, 50. My apologies, uh, and uh, and our youngest is 32. So, um, you said you were in healthcare. Was I was it? a neonatal intensive care nurse for 25 years. Oh, my goodness, I've worked. Um, I mostly worked in large tertiary centers, um, teaching hospitals. Um, I worked. At, I had a wonderful time at the Children's Hospital of Alabama. There, I worked. Um, I was worked in the NICU, but I was also cross-trained to work pediatric intensive care, um, burn unit, and I did ECMO, which you had as a real real subspecialty. Absolutely. Well, now, uh, where where did you get your education from? I went to um, an all-women's college in New Jersey called St. Elizabeth's University, Mm -hmm. and at that time, um, the women were either going into education or the sciences, and I was pre-med, but then I changed and went into nursing. Because I really wanted to work with people, and I, my goal was always to work with children. So, I, that's what I've been doing my entire life, bookends. So I've worked with children from infancy to college, and so when I came to the Central Coast, I got involved with First Five California, interviewed for the position for the school readiness coordinator for the county, and that's where I got really involved with the um, George Brown community. We implemented some programs for families of children ages zero to five knowing how important is the first three years of a child's um, brain, the brain is developing, and established the first Raising a Reader program. Are you familiar with Raising a Reader? I'm not. Why don't you tell us about it? It is a family literacy program. The theory is if you have the child on the lap of a caregiver talking to them and reading to them, they develop a lifelong love of reading. And very often our families um, were not literate in their even in their own language. So what we modeled was that you talk to the stories. If you've ever looked at a children's book, um, you know, for the ages zero to five, they're very beautifully illustrated. So we just tell the parents, just speak to the story. Even if you make up the story, it's the spoken word. And when you look at the difference, when you have a socioeconomic difference between children, you look, one is hearing far more words than the other. Does, uh, does the Pastoral School District, you're talking about parents who are themselves not literate in their own language, obviously not English. Um, uh, do you have an adult program through the district for them? Well, uh, Cuesta College was involved too, so they have um, parent education classes. I know I was just speaking yesterday with um, one of our family advocates who works at the link and at Marie Bauer Preschool. She's kind of between George Brown and Marie Bauer, and she tells me she still has a program called Literatura para la Familia, so that the parents of children zero to three come and they learn together. And there are parent education classes that the, that the link provides as well. And does the district fund that? 
not, I, I'm not sure. Okay. It, it did at one time when I was in the Georgia Brown community, it was a partnership between um, adult education and Cuesta College. Mm -hmm. I've kind of been away from that side of things for a while, but I'll be finding out because I'm a researcher. <laughs> is that something you'd like to reestablish yeah, if it's not yeah, there now? I think it's very important. Okay. And so many times our parents want to do what's best for their children. But a lot of times they don't know, sometimes they don't know how to access services. Having worked um, in healthcare, very often I would see families that, you know, they don't want to do things that, are, that will harm their children, but a lot of times they don't know. I mean, I'm from an immigrant family. My father um, came from Italy. Um, my mom was first generation in the United States. So there weren't a lot of books in my home. I learned from my sister-in-law who studied elementary education that you should start reading to your child when they're born. Well, there yeah. you go. Yep. Thank you, sister-in-law. <laughs> yes, she's a, she's a wonderful human being. Um, I remember a story about Governor Dean and how he got into politics years ago in Vermont uh, before he became governor of Vermont, and it had to do with the fact that he uh, he noticed that his local city or, or whatever entity it was uh, just put a... Uh, walking path uh, down a river behind his house and all his neighbors' houses, and nobody ever consulted them. Um, that's what got him into politics. He just got upset about it. Um, what made you decide to run for this particular office? Well, for years I've always been that worker bee getting really deep in the weeds on things. Um, I really enjoyed my time at the Community Foundation in San Luis Obispo County where I managed the um, scholarship program, then I retired. Um, and then um, in my retirement, we were in the middle of COVID and I reactivated my nursing license and was giving vaccines at the Mass Vaccination Center um, two to okay. three times a week volunteering. And then I started paying attention to things. I decided that I wanted to give back to the community um, and I offered to uh, volunteer at the College and Career Center at our high school. So I'm there twice a week, sometimes 10 to two, three, four, five, whenever, whenever I'm done working with the kids, I love it. And uh, I started paying real close attention. I'd always paid attention to the school board meetings when my children were in school. But in the past, I've been hearing things. I know we had a really bad time when our former superintendent kind of put us um, into debt and the um, County Office of Education had to oversee our funding. And then I started paying attention. We had some school board members and all of a sudden there was all these politics being discussed at the school board level. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And so that's what brought me to it. I just said, this, this has got to stop. We've got to start focusing on the kids. So it wasn't the the color of the politics that uh, made you decide it was just the fact that there was politics being discussed? Yeah, I mean, we need, to, uh, you know, after the pandemic, we have, the country has challenges. Some of our families were essential workers, so they might have had five or six children, and the older child was at home having to watch the younger children, and they were all trying to do their schoolwork. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the parents are working all day long. I was a working parent for years, so I know what that's like. So some of our kids are behind, and you've, I'm sure you've heard our math and reading scores are low. They're low in a lot of places. Um, so I just want to say let's get back to focusing on what's going to help our children do best. And so... Well, what do you think that is? Well, I think um, for um, English, um, language arts... The most important thing is that every child should be reading on grade level by the third grade. Well, that, okay. Uh, all the candidates for any office tell me about the problems, and they tell me about, um, you know, what 
should be happening, but uh, they don't always tell me how okay. they're going to get there. So how were you going to get there? I, well, sometimes I want to focus on early literacy. I think it's vitally important. Those first three years, what's happening in the first three years of a child's life are, are very important, and you have to tr take care of the whole child. Children Would you have, hire extra teachers to come in for preschool uh, for those we years? Have, we have but, preschool programs, and some uh -huh. of the things that, that we were, are doing, like the Raising a Reader program, we established one site. There are now um, at early um, care and education centers throughout the county, there are 40 sites. Yeah. But a lot of it is just teaching the parents what to do with their children. Someone said to me, that, uh, or made a comment, that parents don't have the luxury of reading to their children. I don't think it's a luxury to spend a few minutes talking with your child. Um, so sometimes it means shutting off the TV or turning off you know, the iPad and actually engaging with the child. Um, and so you're, you're thinking that the school district needs to put more resources into training the parents? Helping. Helping train the helping parents. Helping the parents. Okay. And then even and folks, uh, we're okay. here talking today with uh, Angela Hollander. She is a candidate for the Paso Robles Unified School District Board of Trustees. So please, I, I cut you off there to make sure people know who you were. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's so many things that we can do. Um, social media is really kind of cut the attention span of all of our kids. Yeah. One of the things that they did at the high school this year, which a lot of parents were against because they want to be able to get a hold of their kids well then you call the front office but you know you put that up when you're in class because you've got to you've got to be there some families will take the kids out of school for very long periods of time we've got to emphasize beginning at kindergarten that it's really important to have the child in the seat every day if you leave school and you're gone for four weeks you're not going to be able to make up that that learning um, unfortunately with the virus you still have people popping up with signs and symptoms and you don't want kids going to school sick and spreading. So we, we're still dealing a little bit with that. But I think I like to look at this year as being a baseline and how can we move forward. We do have a large number of English language learners and once they're tested in and are fluent enough to, to uh, learn in, in English, they're constantly being reclassified. So there's, there is work to do. But my thing is, Let's not say we're, everything's a failure, because I, I pulled the scores of some of our highest performing schools. A lot of times it's the population within the school. You know, who, who has certain advantages and other children don't? Some children, I remember my sister, she teaches in South Florida, and she said like on an on a SAT test, they might be talking about, you know, um, oak trees. Well, you're not gonna see an oak tree. In, in Florida, you know, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see palm trees. I did not trees. know that. You're going to see palm trees. Well, she lives in Palm Beach County. You're going to see palm trees. You know, you uh -huh. talk, we're only, we're 35 miles away from the ocean. A lot of our children might not see the ocean. It's really hard to understand things that mm -hmm. you're, when you're reading. So that's why storybooks are so important to envision things. Well, let's talk a little bit about the older kids. Okay. Um, if you're, uh, if the reading and the, uh, English and writing scores are so low, and the math scores are so low, uh, you've got a number of 10th graders and 11th graders who are getting ready to be passed on out of high school. Uh, do you have any idea what you would want to do to improve their proficiency so that they can actually go to college or get a job or go into the military? Some of the conversations happening now are um, generally, um, you have 
in elementary school. You only have one teacher for all subjects, right? Mm -hmm. And then they move on to middle school, and you're starting to get ready because you're supposed to be ready to take algebra by the eighth grade. Well, um, so now you've got a core teacher teaching just math. So there we look at children, and maybe we implement math labs, math tutors, smaller class sizes for the struggling students. I thought saw this with my own child, mm -hmm. where in third grade they had like 90 students, and they had three teachers, and they broke out the kids for the math. And the one, guess who had the most children? I don't know. The accelerated, the kids that were just like ready to go. And she said, I can handle 36 kids because they're just catching on. Because they're already. Yeah, they're catching on to it. They're going quickly. Mm -hmm. And then the other two teachers. And I was always amazed at how they were getting the kids up to grade level. Sometimes it's the individual attention. And, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you can't help your own child with math, right? <laughs> so my, my son had this challenge with geometry, and I was a parent who's fortunate enough that I could hire a tutor to help him. Mm -hmm. A lot of families can't do that. At the high school, um, we have some kids that are just absolutely rock stars in mathematics, and those are kids that can tutor. We have an after-school program um, at, in the in the district um, with the Boys and Girls Club, and some of those kids will go over to the Boys and Girls Clubs and help the kids with the math. Have you considered uh, setting aside funds to hire the accelerated kids who are so good at math already to teach the kids who are behind? And that's what I'm saying. That's what they're doing at these, at these after-school programs. Okay. And then here's another wonderful thing that we're doing at the district. Um, we have these kids nowadays are so amazing with the computer skills, right? So we have a summer internship program for um, techs so that these kids, if they're really good at computer science, they'll work for the district in the summertime and get real-life experience with technology. Well, that's great. Yeah, it is. That's great. Yeah. Well, folks, we're here chatting with uh, Angela Hollander. She's a candidate for the Paso Robles Unified School District Board of Trustees. Uh, you couldn't get a longer title if you tried. Um, but there are a couple of other questions I had for you, um, but we're coming up on a break because we've got to do the news and we've got to do some business. We'll be back with Angela Hollander right after this break.